0: Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of February 2nd. I'm your host, Derek Kessinger, joined by the future Hall of Famer Todd Turner, the Notes Master Kevin Kovac, and Big Shot Bob Robert Holman. Guys, we're recording a day later because we wanted to include Ocala these past two nights, and today was an off day, so we figured we can include last night's dominating performance by Devin Moran. And Todd, I'm going to start with you. Devin Moran is what right now? I guess he's the hottest,
1: hottest driver going, or although Brandon Overton might have something to say about that, but, but five, uh five Lucas Oil starts first or second in each one, uh, he's really, really on, on a hot streak. And that's the thing way back in Volusia 1.0, he looked really good in, uh, uh, that first night of preliminaries, uh, didn't pan out for him there, but man, he is just, uh, he's just got it dialed in and, uh, you, it makes you wonder. You know, we said that Lucas, those Lucas Oil bonuses were perhaps unattainable. They were so, uh, uh, so difficult. You know, you have to win at least eight. But, but, but Devin may, uh, the way he's going, he may make, uh, get that, uh, make it where it is possible because he's a big fan of East Bay coming up. Uh, so we'll see how he does at All Tech. But it's, uh, it's been fun to watch. And, uh, they've been, uh, everybody's been chasing Devin. Uh, looked really good at, uh, At Ocala. And of course, we'll talk about the first night. Could have been two wins there. Uh, But uh, yeah, very impressive so far.
0: Yeah, right now, during this portion of Speed Week, starting with Golden Isles, he has two firsts and four seconds. And Robert, you've been at Ocala. He's kind of kicking himself in the butt right now because technically he should maybe have two victories there. Just talk about that wild sequence we had there on Monday night with him and Tim McCready. I know Devin Moran even. Uh, said in an interview afterwards he was just kicking himself in the butt man oh man he's on fire but he kind of went one simple a there but that finish was awesome
2: it it definitely was a a great finish uh maybe not the best race itself but what a finish it was he could easily have uh have two wins there at at Bubba raceway park easily Uh, you know from my vantage point where I was kind of watching from, it just looked like he ran in there and it just got, got too high. He just went in there too hot, uh, trying desperately to, to kind of protect and, and keep, uh, uh, Tim McCready behind him. And, uh, it just made a, made a mistake. And, and it, obviously it happens. Uh, but, but you, you rather happen with three laps to go, maybe so you can kind of gather yourself back in and have a, have a shot at it, but it it happened on the last lap. And, and T-Mac was there to kind of capitalize and take advantage of it. You know, the funny part is they got together because T-Mac wasn't, neither one of them were really running the lines that they'd ran the whole race, really. T-Mac went in there expecting, you know, to kind of get up and try to try to get by him. If T-Mac had kept his car pinned down they might not have made contact. I don't know that if, if he could have beat him back to the line if he'd kept his car pinned down, but he they might not have ever made contact, and, and we might have just been thinking, oh, my God, the last lap pass, what a great race. But uh, it, it, was a, it was a great finish, nonetheless, um, and kudos to both drivers for what happened afterwards, basically just saying that it was a, a racing thing, of course, you know the last corner was definitely a racing thing i think the biggest beef and i, I kind of um, made this point in the story i wrote afterwards the biggest thing for t mac was the slider actually off of two that gave devin the lead uh he felt mm-hmm. like maybe even the, he he said basically it's closer it was closer than it looked over there in that corner and, uh, and I understand, and I was watching that too. And it really looked like, uh, Timmy had to get on the brakes or really let off the gas to keep from, to keep from dumping Moran. And I've, I've spoke to a couple people who watched it, uh, you know, on the, um, on the live stream and they said the same thing. They're like, you know, man, McCready really could have turned him if he wanted to. And he definitely could have, uh, he was there for, you know, and McCready was very gracious, I, I should say, and and let let Devin go. And then it sorted itself out in turn four. So, you know, great great finish at Bubba Raceway Park, despite everything else that kind of didn't go the right way in terms of the timing and the track and everything else. At least we had that great finish on Monday night. Yeah,
0: it was a badass, and that will definitely go down as one of the finishes of the year. I don't think it's even really in contention for race of the year, I don't think, by by when it's all said and done by the end of the year. Kovac, I know you were fist-pumping because your boy T-Mac got that big, thrilling victory, but just take a step back and look at this Devin Moran start to speed weeks. Do you compare it to anything else we've seen in the past? Because he's dialed in, and it seems like he's kind of taking the next step.
3: Yeah, well, it's a little different because uh, the way the – you know, how long speed week is. I mean, usually you'd be talking about a guy doing really well at East Bay after going to golden Isles or something, you know, and now we're talking about Bubba and, and going to all tech so there's this extra week in there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I don't you have to really kind of go look back and see like who's come out so strong and, and fast. I mean, I it, wonder if anyone's ever had uh, five top two finishes two wins, three seconds in the first five Lucas Oil races of a season. I mean, that's that's probably, you know, dig into that, I guess, a little bit. I mean, it's uh, not easy to go look through all those years of, uh, of Lucas Oil Series racing, but it's, it's very unusual, I, I would imagine, uh, if it's ever been done before. That's a heck of a season. I mean, heck of a start in uh and it's a guy that you know last year Devin it was sort of a I would consider it a little bit of a breakout year where he had his most wins, most money he's made in the season and not running a series, you know he but he really made a, ran a smart year, kind of picked the tracks that he felt his uh he was his, that 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 were good for him and he excelled a lot of places. I mean, geez, he, he made a lot of money just down the street from his house, down the road from his house at Atomic Speedway uh, uh just with some of the bigger shows that he won there so it was a good year i mean it, it kind of set the stage like what well, what could he is he taking another step you know and and here he is winning at uh really the star so far other than i mean like let's let, like todd mentioned let's not forget Brandon Overton beat him twice at uh at Golden Isles and didn't run with him in the first night uh that when when devin won because uh he had gotten behind with that droop rule uh ruling and knocked out his qualifying time so uh Maybe uh, I mean you could say two for two right now. Brandon is and he's beaten Devin twice, uh, and he wasn't at at uh, Ocala. So we'll have to see how, like when they meet up again this weekend at uh, Altec and see how those two sh- shape up. But they are definitely Brandon Overton and Devin Moran are the top two. And, and I would think, man, this this could be a year here now. Maybe maybe Devin Moran uh, is, is really coming of age. I guess 27 years old. He's coming around here, and um, he could be, could be. uh, He probably will be leaving Florida as the Lucas Oil Series points leader. I mean, they're only taking the five best finishes out of fourteen, and he's already, he's almost nearly uh, uh, the maximum points with having two wins in three seconds. So he can even improve that with a couple more wins, and uh, so maybe have a decision to make if he wants to go run the Lucas Oil Series.
0: Yeah, we'll come right back to you, Kevin. Kudos to Devin Moran on this start. Well, as Todd said at the opening of the show, I think we're just immune to Brandon Overton winning. He's two for two there, kind of lolly not not really lollygagging, but he's just so smooth. It's almost just like puts you to sleep. How much he, how easy it is for him right now? You can just tell he's confident than ever. And he told me after his win on Saturday night at Golden Isles, he's not even pushing the envelope yet. So I think he's kind of toying him with a little bit. I mean, are we going to see another domination by Brandon Overton this year?
3: It's looking uh it's a the first to start here sure seems like it will be i mean uh we talked about that in fast talk like how many wins we think he could get and uh i mean he, he might run a few less races this year than he did i'm I'm thinking maybe he won't run some of those more like four or five thousand dollar to win shows that are closer to home because there's so many big money races i mean he just skipped two ten thousand to win races uh in, in ocala this week so i think that's going to be more his his focus on these really big shows uh but he is—he—he he just that those both races at Golden Isles, he just kind of sat back there and bided his time, and you know, and just d- didn't push the envelope at all, like you said, uh, Derek. And uh, next thing you know, when it's time to go, they just kind of come back to him, and he can—he can get on it when he has to, and when when somebody gets close to him, he can get has that little bit of extra, you know. And he's—he's he's just really a great race car driver right now, and he has everything working for him, and. I think the schedule he's going to run, he's going to stay fresh. I think uh, without running a series, uh, he can he can be ready for all these big shows and pick that pick up some big money this year. Uh, maybe even beat that nine hundred thousand uh, plus that he won last year. He could do that in one race, of course, at Eldora. Uh, so big could be a big year for a really big year for Brandon. Robert, do you agree with Kovac? Oh,
2: uh, yeah, definitely a hundred and ten percent because I was at Golden Isles and I was watching the race and i can't remember if it was which race it was exactly but he's le- out there leading and what like kevin said when he wants to go he just goes there was one one of those races where the the second place car or no actually i think he was running second maybe and the third place car gets under him i can i saw it because i didn't I, I don't have my notebook but a car got under him, and all of a sudden he just he just went, he just left, and it might have been Moran that got right up to his quarter panel, and he's like, "Oh well, I guess I'll quit riding now, and I'm gonna go," and he just took off, and you didn't see him again. I mean, he he's that it, it's it's that good right now, and I think what has separated, and we've talked about this, we talked about this last year actually. I think what has separated the the Brandon Overton of the past for what we're seeing right now is his ability to be patient, his maturity behind the wheel and his ability to be patient and, and save everything and know when, okay, I think I'll go now. And he just flips a switch and goes, that's a proverbial switch, by the way. Uh, I don't think he's actually flipping a switch in there. Like some people probably do, but, uh, definitely a proverbial switch.
0: Yeah. And I kind of said it on the drive home on Saturday, Todd, there's really no off-season anymore. So people, I feel like it's harder for them to catch up and try to figure things out because you're constantly racing. And for Overton, his last race member, sure, he's taken a few weeks off, but I feel like you can still keep in that momentum and still have that confidence when you go to a track because you just got off the racetrack a few few weeks ago. And also, we're hearing the rumblings on social media that maybe Overton's cheating. I feel like that always happens when a driver starts dominating. They always say like something's going on. So Overton's kind of playing mind games with people right now, isn't he?
2: Well, I was going to say, wait until Brandon Overton. It gets warm enough for Brandon Overton to wear flip flops. Then you'll see an ass kicking. I'm just saying, when it's <laughs> flip flop weather, it's it's coming.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, as you said, the off season is relatively so brief. You know, we don't have a it's not like there's a big, long time for people to get cold or a lot of things to change. And then we come back to Florida and wait to see what's going to happen. It's, you're right. It's very much a transition from last year. And, and uh, yeah, as Kevin and Robert both mentioned, Overton, uh, what I, the word I like is he's methodical. He, he is, it looks like he's just kind of like, uh, you know, he knows what he's doing and he can, uh, as Robert said, kind of, you know, push the button and go whenever he wants to go. And, uh, you know, I've noticed in many of his races, he did this at Eldora last year, some of the other big races. He's clearly one of the fastest cars, but he doesn't just jump out and lead 100 laps every time or whatever it is. Uh, A lot of times he just kind of, you know, puts himself in that position. And then when usually midway through the race, he kind of like goes by and it's not like, again, he pulls away and wins by. You know 20 seconds or something he he just he runs as fast as he needs to do to win and he just you know winning formula for sure i mean he's just uh uh I, f- I feel like we've seen these the way he wins you know time after time and uh uh it'll be interesting to see you know it'll be fun to see him and moran go head to head again you know moran him one two twice uh or, or one two yeah two and twice in a row there at Golden Isle. so next time they face off uh
0: those two are going to be the guys to beat. And Todd, if you're Braden Overton, how do you not unload at Ocala? I know you want to take a couple days off, but when you're hot, I feel like you should be riding that train just like Devin Moraine has.
1: I think that's that's him looking at the big picture. It's a long season, and I think it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, how can you not go? But, but you know, it, it is a long season. There's more money than ever out there this year. He, You know, he, he has the flexibility of kind of going where he wants to go and being flexible, so – um, so, you know, he, he, he doesn't want to burn himself out. Certainly not in February, January or February or early in the year. So, uh, yeah, I think as fans, you know, overton fans are like, come on, Brandon, get out there. I mean, I, mean, I get it. Uh, but even Moran, had you his know, doubts about what he was going to run at speed weeks. And he, he was kind of lured into it. It's, um, you know, everybody has their reasons about why they will or won't race somewhere or how much they're going to race. Uh, And this year is going to be, you know, ramped up even more with uh, so much big money on the line and trying to figure out where you're going to race. And Overton's making it clear from the beginning, he is making choices that he thinks are best for his team and not just trying to
0: race as much as he can. Kevin, I know T-Mac won, and I feel like he's on the cusp of just being right up there with them every single race, but is there any other guys besides maybe T-Mac that are even going to compete with these guys the rest of Speed Weeks? So are, are these guys just so far ahead and they're in a different stratosphere?
3: Well, I know we we're going to be going to uh, East Bay next week. I know one driver who loves East Bay and is, has been very good there the last few years is Tyler Herb. So uh, I'd imagine he's going to be in the mix uh, immediately when he gets over there. I mean, we're missing Jonathan Davenport, who's a guy who's won a lot of races during uh, Speed Weeks, so – that, that's one that you take out of the mix, and and uh, so there's maybe more wins to go around when you don't have him out there. Uh, but I, they'll 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 be guys. I mean, there's gonna be guys. It's it's tough to keep up that same pace for the entire speed weeks. I mean, we're not even half. We, we've done seven races. Uh, how many races are left? We got three at Alcala. I mean, three at Alltech. We have nine. We have six over there at East Bay. Another six over there at Volusia. So there's 15 more races to go uh if, if we're still talking about Devin moran finishing one two and all these races all the way up through the end then man it's it's the best speed weeks ever i guess uh for a driver but things still have to happen i mean there's going to be things that he he's had he started up front every race too he's qualified so well i don't think he started worse than fourth in a race yet so far and uh i mean look he, he had some trouble at Volusia in the first night in that afternoon uh show the postpone race he he did have some trouble there so it's not like he's immune to to bad luck uh i, I think they'll they'll shake it up mccready's gonna be tough he's always good at these races at all the east bays and and, and uh, volusia especially he's always volusia he has so much experience at so i'm, I'm sure mccready will be uh getting some more wins this this uh, stretch but uh I, I can't say that those two are going to, you know, it's going to just be Overton-Moran. There's going to be somebody that's going to pop up that we're not expecting. Yeah,
0: Robert, you've been on the grounds at Golden Isles as well as Bubba's. Any other things that caught your eye? I know what caught my eye was Ross Robertson. He's had a couple good runs here the last few nights, and he's making these features. He's trying to run the Lucas Oil Series. So I think it's a huge for a guy like that running the rookie to make these races so you can kind of pick and choose your best five nights. What else have you seen out down there, buddy?
2: we're talking about one guy winning all of them or running first or second, all of them think about what we've seen, you know, obviously I don't, I think there's going to be a little more uh, variety in in the winner's circle, but is it possible for one chassis brand to win every, to sweep speed weeks? Think about that. I think that, uh, you know, right now it it is truly a, a Longhorn long horn world, uh, and you know, rocket and these other guys have, a little bit you know obviously i think brandon uh brandon shepherd and and these and tyler Herb and, and uh, these everybody that campaigns those cars were have a something to say about it before the before the uh, speed weeks is over but right now they're just being dominated by by the longhorn cars uh and i and i'd like to think that from what everyone has has said a lot of those guys are sharing you know, information, you know, look at the one guy who dominated in a Longhorn car every time he got in one last year. Uh, and that's Kyle Larson where, where, you know, he didn't even have that great of a, of a run over there at Golden Isles, except for that one night, maybe. So it's possible, I think for one chassis to, to sweep speed weeks. I do think, uh, you know, the rocket guys are going to have something to say about it, but it is, it is possible the way they've started. Well, yeah, if that
0: happens, we have to make sure Mark Richards is okay over there in rocket. If you know, they go three weeks and it's just all Long Longhorns dominating. But like you said, Kovac, there's 15 more races, uh, left to go. Did anything catch your eye or any notes you saw while watching the broadcast?
3: Uh, I, Brandon Shepard is one that I kind of talk about a little bit because, uh, he he did qualify pretty well he had some good qualifying runs and and there would just be some know uh, cali here the last couple nights uh he slipped back at the beginning of these races his these starts were not good for him uh, um it's it's kind of surprising that's the kind of a thing when he's on it at his best with that rocket house car team he's on the ball on on the rest- on starts restarts he's uh he's not losing spots and he had to, and he lost spots and it's hard to make up Two or three spots when you when you fall back in a speed weeks race with so much competition uh you don't want to be giving up anything to to your rivals and and he did and and it took him i mean he got top five finishes he got he got good runs, but it took him a while to get back in to give everything he had just to get back into the top five after slipping backwards so uh we have to – and it's i I can't believe that Brandon Shepard would go another speed weeks without a win I mean like last year was still amazing that uh, that he, he was not, uh, in victory lane. I mean, it kind of did tell you the story of his season that he wasn't going to win as much, I guess. But, uh, after, yeah, you know, he just won twice in there, I mean, excuse me, in, in New Mexico and he's with his, uh, family car and he thought, Hey, well, that's going to come, you know, going to, fall right over now he's going to win with the rocket house car and it's still just like that little third fourth fifth place right he's he's running right now he needs to get a little extra speed here and uh, i think that's what i'm going to be watching how how's brandon shepherd uh get get going here the rest of speed weeks
0: yeah and you mentioned those stars and i was going to kind of allude to it golden isle is in the heat races he started on the pole the friday and saturday portions and ended up getting second because he didn't get that whole shot and noticing at Ocala those starts, too, he just seemed like he can't get that thing going. But fun fact here, I think he's on a 24-race losing streak, that team is, down here at Speed Week, stating back to last year and the five races this year. So that team is definitely going to be uh, on kill, I think. they're. Let's just hope maybe for their sake they don't feel the pressure you know, of not winning because sometimes I can uh, mess with the race team and stuff like that. But, Todd, you've been covering this sport for a long time. How much can it mess with – mess with a driver mentally when you're racing this many days in a row you've seen it on the summer nationals I've seen it when a guy just struggles that you know you're like maybe tomorrow I can get it done and you just don't see those results and I think you keep racing you keep racing and more it messes with you and your racing do you agree with that I mean it's definitely a mental game uh I guess the the plus of speed
1: weeks is uh, especially as we get here to East Bay and Volusia, you're at the same track, so you have a little more you have a little more control of uh, the conditions and what the you know what you're gonna be facing every night uh, i guess I guess you can look at that on the other side too that if you you struggle Monday and Tuesday or struggle a couple of days in a row uh it gets in your head even more that how come I can't get going here. Uh, and a poor start turns into a
0: completely bad week. Yeah. And I think overall these first five nights, right? Yeah. Five nights of this, you know, speed weeks with the Lucas oil portion, the racing has been dang good. And Kyle Bronson and his gang, they did awesome. But the one thing I liked about those shows, Robert Holman was just this. Oh, I guess that golden Isles is just the speed of the show. He's past two nights. See, you know what? We got a wheel pack. And I, Talked to Tyler Herb. He said, "Man, if we get the wheel pack and the racing's better, I'm all for it." They started two hour two hours late last night, but let's go to Golden Isles first. They ran that show. They got the Lucas Oil. The weather was cold. They just ran it back to back to back, and those shows were nice because we got done early. And I felt like the people watching at home they appreciated that as well.
2: I definitely appreciated it because I was able to get out of there at a decent time and actually go eat. So kudos to them, uh, that was uh, something that we don't always do. We're usually trying to scrounge up uh, fast food or something. And especially in this uh, you know time of COVID, a lot of things are closed. So a lot of times we don't even make it to a place to eat at all other than a convenience store or something. So definitely kudos to them for, for pushing that show along. I think that the thing is th- their backs were against the wall. And if you look here, you know, Kyle and, Amber did not have to hold that. They didn't have to run that show on Saturday. It anybody that's ever promoted a race, anybody that's ever stood out in thirty plus degree weather, thirty minus degree weather, whatever you want to look at it, anybody that's ever stood in that kind of weather would understand. Had they canceled that show, uh, I don't think anyone would have looked at another person and said, "Wonder why they canceled." But no, you know, Kyle. They wanted to have the show, so what's the best way to do it? Let's try to make it as convenient as we can for the people who are here. Let's try to get the show that is on being streamed that people paid for. Let's try to get that done first, and they did. You know, Kyle has ran crates a lot. He understands what it's like to be second fiddle on a program but he also understands with his time with the Lucas oil series, what it's like to go to a place and be sitting around while the other divisions are running. When you feel like, Hey, we're the headliner. We should be out there getting our show on for these fans. Great communication between Kyle and the Lucas oil people. Great teamwork right there. They got a, a plan and which they, they were a little bit behind that last day after they did formulate a really good plan, but it wasn't life-altering. They were still early, even though they were you know, a few minutes behind. So kudos to them for making that decision to, to get that program run, because I'm going to tell you, it was crazy cold, and that wind was whipping, and nobody wanted to stand out in it if you didn't have to be out in it.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that, as the great Mike say. And Kovac, with the outlaws, you saw some different scenarios via weather or just the promoter deciding to run all these divisions. One hand at Ocala, it was only one class, but the other hand is you start two hours late. They had every single car on the racetrack. Just, you know, that's a tough circumstance, but like I said, Tyler Herb. Said if we had to go out there and wheel pack to make it a good race, I'm all for it. Your thoughts on that? When you start two hours late, luckily it was only a one class show.
3: Oh, yeah, I mean you're not. It's it didn't wasn't as big of a, uh, you know, a, a headache. I guess uh, considering it was only one class. I mean, if there would have been 90 crate cars there too, it would have been really a, a bad situation because they'd have been running all night. Uh, but still, you know you know that the show is gonna go quickly when you only have to run qualifying heats b mains and a feature. You don't have anything else to fit in there, so you can run it right off. Uh, I, I mean, I always feel like a track needs should have a good amount of packer trucks and cars. It kind of you know it, it it's kind of disappointing sometimes when you see every race car in the pits have to go out there and 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 pack this race track. I mean, yeah, yeah, you have to pack a track to you know finish it off, but I mean, geez, when they went out there or those first, those, I mean, it, those cars could barely even move. It was so wet. It looked like, so it would be nice. Uh, I mean, not every track could have a bunch of that many Packer trucks. Not every track could be Eldora with all those Pack, pack trucks going out there, the Packer truck squad or whatever they call them. Uh, so uh, yeah, it, it is what it is. Again, I would, I would rather see a good race. If it's not going to, we're not going until midnight. I, I would rather see a, a, a good show uh make sure you can get that track you know competitive by uh by making it wetter to get start tonight and having the guys pack it but i want i just want to also ta- you know just touch on the golden isles uh schedule events how they ran everything straight through i mean that i was man, i mean i was home i was clapping my hands i was you know giving pats on the back to Rick Schwall and Kyle Bronson. Everybody was involved with that because I thought that was the best thing. That's what tracks should be doing. They should look. I my pet peeve is seeing all these racetracks when there's a whole bunch of, you know, I mean, so many tracks have to have uh, have to have support divisions. You you, you do it. You got to have the back gate uh, to get some more money, in. and it's hard to like turn down 90 cars worth of crates uh, to to pay a pay a purse. But if you're gonna do that the tracks do not have to run three heats for the crates heats for the other crates heats for the lucas oil series and then go back to the bees the bees the bees and then the features just run right off the i mean i i that was even better than i i would i would imagine when you just run everything with the lucas oil series and not even put a couple heat races in there just be flexible enough to change that schedule around so you can look at that and be like all the time every every race should be like that. It shouldn't just be because it's cold, it shouldn't be because there's a the weather was a factor or anything. every race you could say, "I want to have this we're gonna have this late model, the main headline class feature done by ten o'clock, and you could do it all you have to do is just get move the schedule around a little bit and and be quick on your feet i guess and and not have to be this is the way we're gonna do it." And I think that that's what Lucas and, uh, and Bronson did at Golden Isles. And I sure as hell hope more racetracks do it now uh, and see that that's a, a good thing, especially with streaming, too. I mean, people are at home. They can't be up until midnight, one in the morning on a work night. You know, that's why they're not at the racetrack most of the time, because they, they can't get home in time because they got to go to work in the morning. So uh, more people will watch at home, too, uh, if, if and will come to the racetrack if they see it's uh, ending earlier. And that's what, the, that's what tracks need to do, I think.
0: Well, Kovac, you're an East Coast guy. Games don't get over until midnight anyway. NFL Sunday football, they ain't done until midnight. It's just, uh, I don't know how you guys do that on the East Coast. But like you said, if you're starting at 7 Eastern, there's no reason you shouldn't get done around 10, 10, 30. That's kind of like the three, three and a half hour window you see, you know, like at a football game. Because football games take about three and a half hours now. So if you can try to like model after that, I think, with the football model because people love that sport, no doubts, and I think are doing the right thing. But, Todd, why is it tough for promoters or people running the racetrack to switch their schedule when the night's already started? It just seems like there's something just goes in their brain and they're like, you know what, we can't do this. Why is it so difficult for promoters to do this? Yeah, I think a couple of reasons.
1: Some, some people are just kind of set in their ways, like this is the way we do it or this is the way it's written down. Uh, some people might be afraid that if they change it, they change it, and it doesn't make it any better, and it still leaves them open to criticism. Well, one thing that I think kind of inf- infects our sport a little bit is the being supremely fair to everybody. Oh, so and so paid his pit pass; he should get his hot laps and whatever. He should get this. Everybody should get equal. And I, I appreciate them uh, trying to—they're trying to be equitable. That's a—that's a—that's a fine thing in most parts of our. Most parts of the world and most parts of the way we uh, run our lives. But when it comes to the racetrack, if it's the Lucas Oil Series is there, those are the guys that need to be featured. Um, And I'm fine with that. I'm I'm fine at a weekly show. If, If you want your four cylinders to have their big race at one time of the year, well, then by all means, that night, you make them feature and give them the extra. But not every night we have to be nice and equal to everybody and get everybody on the track and get everybody not staying, not having to be the last car, last cars to race or whatever it is. Sometimes you just have to be nimble and, and give fans, they're paying the money, uh, what they want. And if it's a Lucas Oil show, um, I think it's fair that that's what they're looking for. And as Kevin said now, these days with streaming and so many uh so many races on television or streamed online that uh that, that is another uh another issue. you have to you have to keep them uh, happy as well um i i just hope people will will be able to kind of roll with it a little bit or better yet schedule ahead of time uh how to make uh make the best part of the show uh come on at a reasonable time so we're not there until all hours of the night
0: yeah for sure and robert you might not agree with me, but I do think 10 years ago when I first started this job, it's improved drastically, the scheduling, the time getting out of the racetrack. I, obviously, there's moments that were there at the racetrack for a long time, but I feel like it's getting better. Maybe not like certain areas it's not. Do you agree with me that we're getting better with the timing on this or not? Or am I just making this up?
2: I really think that across the board, it's getting better, but there are still so many tracks that just don't get it that it's like it's the one apple theory you know that one apple that ruins the, the bunch there that that gives the one apple that that gives the whole a bad reputation you know the one bad apple and and that's kind of again across the board i do think it's it's better but it only takes one or two two a.m three a.m nights for the keyboard warriors as they're called to get on there and just rail on social media and when that's happening you know that's bad for the sport all the way around so how do we keep that from happening run an efficient program you know get your stuff done at a, at a decent time even if it's you know if you're used to getting out of a show if you're used to having a program that gets out at midnight, well shoot for 11 if you're getting out at 1 a.m buy a ticket to a racetrack that has a curfew and walk around and see how they do it there are lots of racetracks out there that have curfews that get out on time or wind up having to pay a fine or just shut down for that night and re- and then and then what happens when you have a curfew and you go over with a, a race or two you have to come back the next week and run doubles but you still have a curfew and somehow manage to get it done the next week when you're running double features for a couple of classes. So it, it can be done. Uh, I think that it's, uh, you know, I was sitting there last night at Ocala at the racetrack and a person says, I, I was not necessarily complaining, but clearly disappointed in what was happening there at Bubba raceway park it was after the night before somebody should have gone and and taken the keys to the truck and thrown them out in the woods you know you know taking the coil off the truck let all the air air out of the tires something it was it was after the night before it was a completely avoidable situation so i'm sitting there and clearly a little bit I'm frustrated. And the person says to me, you, you must not have been up north or in the northeast much. That's like, you know, Kevin's neck of the woods, and which I really haven't because I just assumed that this was a southern problem. Always, Everyone always blames, Oh, we're in the south. It's going to be to 2 a.m. That's kind of the reputation that racing has in the south. Well, there are racetracks in the south that get the program done at a decent time. So it's clearly not just the South. It's clearly everybody knows that track. That I'm throwing up some air quotes right now for, for everybody listening. Everybody knows that track, you know, that just like, oh, they've got seven classes and can't get out to 3 a.m. That's a am rambling on to answer your question, but I, I agree to a degree that things are better than they were 10 years ago uh, across the board, but everyone still knows – that track that that just can't seem to
0: get it done all right before we get to one more thing i'm going to put you guys on the spot you can show america how good you guys would be at promoting so obviously it's very tough to have just one class so i'm going to give you you have three classes at your racetrack modifieds and 604s and super late models we're at speed weeks we'll say uh kovac raceway or something like that how are you, Kobach? And I'm going to go around the room. How are you setting the schedule for this with three classes? To, just to show America you know what you're talking about.
3: Well, number one, I'm starting with the super late models because I think I, I another pet peeve is when uh, they have opening ceremonies and you're like, all right, let's go. Are you ready? Everybody, you know, all those are you ready announcers, right? Everybody's yelling and we're getting them pumped up oh, let's bring the first heat out. And it's like, I was at a track when they brought out little kids in little, like, uh, it was a summer nationals race. And they had the, they were having the crowd yelling and stuff. All right, I'm, I want, I'm going to see the summer nationals guys run out there. And they brought these little kids out on these little, like, go-kart things. And they started putting around. And I'm like, seriously, I mean, is this really happening? You just got me all excited for – uh, you know, the NBA championship to come out and I see little, little peewees out there now running around. I mean, I know, Hey, you want to put them in front of the crowd. Those are in the intermission. That is a perfect intermission thing. Those little tiny cars. So, and it's the same thing with, with modifieds or anything. I want the, I want the main thing coming out. When you tell me, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready to see the headliner. Uh, not that anything bad about the other guys, but they could run till four in the morning if you wanted to, it didn't it used to be back in the day, you know, back in, I don't know, 60s, 70s. You didn't have, well, you didn't have all these other divisions. Number one, there wasn't all these, everybody, there was more fans probably because there wasn't so many, anybody could get into a race car. Now if you could, if you wanted to go get a race car, you can get in there. Pray, you could find a division to, to race in instead of just being a fan. But I just saw, I'm going to just put out one little thing. I'm just saying, you know, the, the my, so Uh, Derek my super late models would be first and if there was like a a chance that the modifieds and the other crates are gonna take a while I'm gonna say you're gonna run two heats and then we're putting the late model B mains out we'll run the other two heats and then the features for the late models coming out I'm making that show quick and focused on the super late models one thing I saw, i just saw an old ad on Facebook. Somebody—it was it used to be this Reading Fairground Speedway up here near me in Pennsylvania. They were like the track in the all through the 70s. Man, that place had fa- big cover grants and thousands fa- of people there every Friday night. I never got to go there; It was before my time. But uh, they would have one division, one mod, big block modifieds, and then their ads. In the newspaper, it said two and a half hours show action packed. I mean, and it would they told you how long the show was going to be. You didn't guess about it. It was like this is how long this show. I mean, that was in the 70s and they packed the place. I mean, there's more things to do now. But why was that successful? They did things. They had a three minute clock at that racetrack where every time a ca- the first time a caution came out in the feature. It was only one division, so they could play around and have some other things. Everyone, the whole field could come in the the pits and do anything they wanted for three minutes. And this clock, if they weren't back on the racetrack, they were put to the rear. But it got the crowd into it. Everyone I've ever talked to was exciting, you know, just for a 35-lap feature on a regular night. uh, I mean, that's – I want that kind of stuff. I just don't want a bunch of cars running out there, but – I guess that's the way it kind of is now because you're not going to get as many fans, and it's gotten it's turned to where you you're getting the back gate up. Rant for the day, all right, Derek? Whoo! You sound like Stephen A. Smith Monday morning after a Cowboys win a big
0: game or something. Going <laughs> yeah, yeah, against there we it. go. Todd, what, uh, mm-hmm. what about your scheduling three divisions? How would you run it? You don't have to go as detailed as Kovac. <laughs> well, the main thing is anytime any the lead division should be the only time
1: trial division, if that. Uh, that We don't need to time trial the, the lower division. So that's one thing that's gonna save some time. And I know this won't work always, but at Golden Isles, they did a version of this that I liked. Is uh, It's funny, this goes back to a story that Al Perky, the Kansas driver, told me a long time ago. Because when he was a kid, he used to go to rodeos out there in Kansas, and the rodeos, they would have many classes and what they would do is all day they would do all the classes you know the the more amateur classes that nobody cared about that much or the families just you know a smaller amount of people they would do that all day then they would stop and the evening they would break and they would start with the main show what everybody wants to see and i love that with racing kind of golden I did that the other day by flip-flopping running that afternoon show, reworking the track, and then starting again with the Lucas guys. Uh, You can't do that everywhere, because sometimes that would be a full day investment in what you're doing. But to me, when that's possible, uh, to kind of give those guys their time on the track and let them race during the day or earlier in the night, and then plan to rework the track and then put the headline show on during the prime time hours. The, that is the that's the the main thing that I like, and so many times we waste the prime time. You know, like on TV, you know, prime time is eight to ten or or nine to eleven or whatever. We don't have the prime time stuff. On, we're showing consolation races for some lower division instead of having the main show during the prime time of the night. So that would be my goal is to to make sure one way or the other that the best stuff is on the on the track uh, when it counts.
0: For sure, but first off, if I'm promoting the track and we have less than 48 cars, we're running four heats. We're not keeping it at six because sometimes at a certain tracks it just seems like there's not that many cars on there. I think at Golden Isles we only had five cars show up to heat number one. But, yeah, I would do something like that. Only Hot Lap qualify the Supers, um, then run the late model heats first and maybe like run a class like Kovacs Kovac said, maybe two heats, then go the late model B mains and maybe run the two heats of the other division. Feature time, then they finish their show the rest of the show right after the late model feature. You just want to get all the good racing action between 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., you know, that three-hour window. Robert, you kind of thinking the same thing?
2: I can tell you that if I had anyone who was an employee at, of mine who said the phrase hot lap qualifying, they would be hung, drawn, and quartered. And I would use them as an example and set them out in the front of the, the track, like in the entrance. This is what happens when you say hot lap qualifying on my property. Uh, I absolutely hate it. I'm a totally against it. And I, I, I don't,
1: Ooh. and a lot
2: of this, a lot of this has to do with the race, the fact that I own a race car and we go to so many places where, where we are, don't have that much experience and you go to these places and you don't get any hot laps. So I go out there and qualify. You've never been here before, but eh, make the best of it. No, I, I would rather take my chances with a pill draw. Uh, I'm not saying qualify them, whoever's booing me. I'm not saying qualify them. I think that everyone should get their hot laps. Everything sh- everyone should get their practice. But then the lower divisions should pill draw. And I and I do think that I'll probably get booed by some other people for, the, for saying that. But... Uh, pill draw, run Yay. your heats. How, are you finishing your heats is how you start your feature after you pill draw. But I definitely think that everyone should get their, their three to four laps of practice and then have an opportunity to come in and work on their car before it actually means something. Because, you know, you can't, you can't just assume that everybody's been there to your racetrack or everybody's a professional or everybody. So anyway, no hot lap qualifying. Uh, after that, if you're talking crates, mods, and, uh, supers then the uh, the crates are going to be the first thing on the track for probably everything because of their tire size i got to get this tire this track rolled in the proper way before the supers get out there so the supers can put on a good show no offense to the mods but i do not want the mods out there killing my track with narrow tires and rutting it up because at my place the only chance that there's going to be a rut is if another narrow car got out there and did it it's not going to be any of my fault for sure because i'm going to have obviously a great uh ground crew so to speak who's going to be out there and uh and get my track ironed out so the crates will, will always be the first thing on the uh on the agenda and then the supers and then the mods and i will say though that if something is happening and we're running late i know that the the supers are Nine times out of ten, the, the main program, I will not hesitate, though, to bump those up in the lineup on, on a particular night if things go sideways because uh, you do have to be flexible. You can't just be like, I know everything and I'm, I've got it written on paper and I'm not changing it. You can't be of that mindset. You have to be flexible in your program and know that, okay, it's getting a little – it's something's wrong here. I'm sorry, guys. We've got to get these supers on and get them going. So, but anyway, basically, everybody hot laps. Lower divisions peel draw crates because that tire is always going first. Supers are never last, never last. Sometimes the mods might run their feature first. Sometimes the crates might run their feature first, but the supers will never be last. Look at that mic drop by Robert Holman.
0: I guarantee. All three of your race racetracks, Sam Driggers will give you racetrack of the year, UMP style, so congrats on that. Here in the near near future, you're going to get a big-time phone call from Sam Driggers. You guys will probably be uh, nominated for promoter of the year at the workshops in the offseason, so after hearing all that, they're definitely going to congratulate you. But, fellas, one more thing here to finish off the show. I'm going to actually go first, and uh, the dirt track world made it uh, Hollywood this past year. Uh, week, week and a half. The new show on Netflix or the final season show of the Ozark, they had Dixie Speedway on the show. And essentially it's a show about uh, Jason Bateman's character is laundering money for the drug cartel. Well, they had a scene where they were exchanging money at Dixie Speedway. And the funny thing was I couldn't really tell what the racetrack was until I saw the yellow have a Tampa trailer in the background. So I thought that was pretty cool that uh the Dirt Child made it on a big time show. It's one of the most famous shows on Netflix currently called Ozarks, which they film a lot of it in Georgia, so it kinda of, it's kinda of weird that they name it the Ozarks, but uh that's pretty cool to see the Habitat, but kinda of, uh, reminded me of some old school stuff of me as a child back in the day. So pretty cool to see Dixie Speedway on there. So that was my uh one more thing. How about you, Kovac?
3: Well, I just saw that uh another Driver throwing their hat in the ring there for the Lucas Oil Series uh, rookie of the year it was as Garrett Albertson, uh put a release out uh, that says that uh, him and the uh, Roberts Motorsports team are gonna try to do the whole series. Which I, th- I mean, it's coming off a good good uh, Wild West shootout for for Garrett. He got a win out there, and he's had a couple good runs so far down in uh, speed weeks and. That's it, got to be exciting for him. I mean, really exciting for Garrett. I mean, he he's done. He did the series a few years as a crew chief for uh, Earl Pearson Jr. Wanted to get back into into the driver's seat. Now he is. Now he gets to run the whole. Lucas Oil Series, if everything goes well, and I think it's pretty exciting too for uh, Ken Roberts, the, the team owner. Uh, he wanted to to travel around a little bit more now with with the young driver with in Garrett, and and now he's going to get to do that, see a lot of the a lot of the country, and uh, that's good luck to them. See how they see how they can uh, do on the on the national tour this season.
0: Todd, what's catching your
1: eye? What's your one more thing? I was glad to see that Port Royal Speedway announced that its Super Late Model division will follow the unified rules that were uh, decided at PRI, followed by the Lucas Oil Series, World of Outlaw, and many other regional series. Um, uh, that was potentially one of the hang-ups with these rules, which included uh, um, various body configuration changes. Relatively minor, to, to be clear, and uh, also the droop rule on some of those things. Uh, and I don't think everybody has to completely embrace this now, but you definitely want to be heading that direction. I think Port Royal, which is uh, one of the preeminent uh, super late model tracks for them to, to sign on to this is important. I did notice right after PRI, it seemed like there was a, a flurry of the regional series and crate, crate tours and some of the others that clearly said, oh, we're, we're not gonna go to that. We're not gonna go to that. And, uh, and and again, you don't have to immediately go to it, but I think you, you need to be more forward thinking. And I think uh, having Port Royal uh, and maybe some of these other series joining on will uh, will only enhance uh, being able to have a race car that you can take anywhere and be legal uh, and be uh, smoother and better for the sport as a whole. So uh, kudos to Port Royal for jumping in and, uh, and making that change.
0: Yeah, Todd, let's see if other tracks follow suit. If we're going to make these rules, we need to have everybody on board. In my opinion, we can't just have certain tracks but like, you know what? We're going to do this. The other track's like, nah, we're going to go to the old rules. So, yeah, uh, shout out to Port Royal. They're always stepping up their game there, especially in the weekly divisions with their payouts and stuff like that. Robert, finishing off with you, what do you got, buddy?
2: I just, uh, It's just something I that I overheard actually while I was uh, at Golden Isles. I was going to say at one of these tracks, as if you wouldn't guess that only one of them has VIP suites. So while I was in the a VIP suite uh, on one of these particular nights at Golden Isles, um, I overheard a person there say, "Is he the only name here?" And I guess anyone could probably guess who that person was talking about. They were talking about Kyle Larson. Is Kyle Larson the only big name here? And <laughs> I thought, what a you know slap in the face to all these other great late model drivers, great the you know the best of the sport. The best in the business right there on that particular weekend, and this particular person said, is he the only big name here? So I think that just goes uh, a long ways to kind of show you where our sport really is in the real world. Uh, Obviously, we all know that it's a very niche sport, and despite the streaming and despite how much it's grown over the last decade, we are still – small fish so to speak so uh, I just thought that was interesting when I overheard that and I thought to myself man what a what a slap in the face to Brandon Overton and you know hell I mean, what if Scott Bloomquist and Billy Moyer were there you know this is he the what if Jeff Purvis was there you know and this guy says is, is Kyle Larson the only big name here so I guess you know it goes just to show you that uh, um We, in a degree, to a degree, we should embrace, for sure, Kyle Larson running uh, these races that he does run with us because it does bring uh, of fans in that don't recognize what we see every week and just what they hear on television or whatever. And so, it's I'm sure he's he's bringing in a new fan here or there. So, anyway, I just thought that was interesting when I heard that.
0: Yeah, so you know how we feel Robert when only one big name on this podcast which is which is you. So we know we know how we feel man when you're the only big name household name in this so you yeah, got that's just- not
2: not even <laughs> not even you got you've got a hall of famer sitting right right to, to my to my left and, and then you've got Kovac who already has memorial races named after him and then you've got yourself who who goes places and literally people think when they're trying to check you in, they're looking for S because they think that your last name is suave. So you've got all these people, you know, I'm just, a, I am now, you know how I feel. I am a am a small fish here, buddy. Well, I don't believe that Robert. You
0: always have some great things to say as well as all you guys do. So, um, well, you guys need to stay warm, especially me. It's like snowy conditions out here think we got a foot of snow so i'm gonna try to go dig myself out here again but uh thanks for tuning in people listening at home uh we're gonna have full speed weeks coverage highlights stories one lap one beers uh speed weeks minute race day shelton side bites all the stuff for speed weeks will be on dirt on and uh please tune in next week we'll go back to our uh, regular regular schedule and uh Basically, the topic will be: Will anybody be able to stop Devin Moran or Brandon Overton this weekend? So we'll be talking about, talking about that for sure. And uh, thanks for joining us. Tune in next week to the Dirt Reporters.